What it do, Anchor Crew? It's your boy, Reesh. It's your station, Medicine Remix. It's Saturday. I hope everyone's having a great weekend so far. Um, and I have some exclusive audio to share with you guys and gals after my visit to the Anchor headquarters in New York City. I officially moved into the big city, as some of you may know, a few weeks ago, and I was meaning to stop by the legendary Anchor office for a minute now, and that minute happened yesterday. Had a nice uh, little Friday afternoon meeting part of the Anchor crew. It, it really felt like walking into a Hollywood movie set just filled with celebrities like Mike Magnano, of course, Anchor's CEO, Near Zuckerman, Anchor's CTO, and the one and only Maya, Anchor's head of operations, the homie Brendan Bigley, producer at Anchor, and also the hilarious voice behind the popular Anchor station, the internet today, and the news rundown, and uh, the homie Grant from another popular Anchor show, podcast of the day, was also there. He's an intern at Anchor now. And last but not least, Anchor's iOS developer, Patrick Pearson was also there. It was really a pleasure to meet all of them in person. Uh, I'll definitely be back to meet uh, the rest of the crew sometime soon. And I just have to say their office is dope as fuck. Like high ceilings, wide open workspace with couches and comfy chairs, cool artwork, a lot of natural light with the windows, a few soundproof rooms to record in. And it was even better than I imagined, I have to say. You know, I, I got to see the Anchor team at work in their element, which was obviously awesome. And I got to brainstorm with Maya about some new ideas for Medicine Remix segments. Uh, and I even captured some audio of me asking Team Anchor something I've always wanted to ask them. So stay tuned for that very meaningful moment to me at least uh, that I'll be uh, sharing with you guys later today. But first, I wanted to echo a few segments from Nier's station since I was very graciously invited to be part of his new segment series related to all things 90s where I kind of challenge YouTube and anchor star Sarah Dietschy coining the 90s as the dumb decade. And uh, Nier also asked me about 90s rap music and how hip-hop has changed over the years. It was really an awesome time. Much love and gratitude to the Anchor crew welcoming me to their audio promised land. And uh, as always, please call in and leave us some thoughts, insights, or just some old-fashioned love. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. All right, I am here with my boy Reesh from Medicine Remix. Sup, Nier? It's your boy Reesh from Medicine Remix, as you just said. Oh my god, your voice. I feel, this is the first time we've met in person, but obviously yeah. I know your voice very well. Um, so here's the thing. Today's a good day because earlier today I officially kicked, I don't know if you've listened to my station today, but I officially kicked off my new thing that I'm going to do on Anchor. Was it the ninth? Is something the ninth? Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah. I, Sarah Dietschy was here. Right. Hung out with her. Uh, she came up with this name that I'm going to go with, Dumb Decade. Dumb Decade? Dumb Decade, because the 90s are pretty dumb. Hmm. You don't seem to like that name. I don't know. I don't know. Sarah's what? She's like 22? Well, that's part of the problem. She yeah. identified that like she's not a 90s child, but I am and you are, so... Yeah. Uh, now I'm now I'm second guess. She was here first. If you had been here first, I would have called it to something totally Dude, different. The 90s were like so good in so many ways, like between... I don't know, just like 90s hip-hop and R&B is like well, some of my favorite. Good, good segue into what I wanted to talk to you yeah, about, but, yeah, keep, yeah. but keep going. And, um, and what else? I mean, there's so many good movies. There's like no major, was there, there's probably a war in there somewhere, but not, not it, was, it was pretty good. I just felt like it, 
It, you know what it reminds me of? I, if I could, if I could categorize it as an interlude from from Anchor, it would be West. You know that golden hip hop one? Wow. Yeah, that's I think awesome. I, that's the sound that comes to mind in this little free association game that I made for myself. Interesting. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned 90s hip hop. Uh, basically, my whole thing here is I want to talk to people and I want to have like one category that I talk to them about, right? So, with Sarah earlier, I talked about uh, Nickelodeon. Mm. With you, I was going to talk about hip hop, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I'd kick it off. I'm going to read you, I already have this pulled up on my computer. I'm going to read you the top five hip hop songs from the 90s, okay. according to VH1. And I want to get your perspective on this. So, here we go. Number five. Or do you want to do you want to guess maybe you want to guess what you think number one is? Or uh, top five number one was it hypnotized by Biggie? Uh, no, no, close. Well, close. Um, is it is it the same artist? Is that why it's closer? You want me to tell you? I don't know. All right, so it is the same artist. Okay, uh, juicy. It is juicy. Juicy's the number one. But let's start with number five. Number five, gin and juice. Mm -hmm. uh, number four, mo money, mo problems. Mm -hmm. Number three, nothing but a G thing. Mm -hmm. Number two, California love, and number one is juicy. It's, inter it's just interesting. I'm just thinking of like just East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, and that really number two, kinda, number one. That's yeah. That really kind of defined that that era of hip hop, and like thinking about how much hip hop has changed now. It's just like interesting to know what like you know the sound of of the '90s was, and it really was like you know Bad Boy and Death Row. But, so just yeah. to play devil's advocate, the top five songs are, are great songs, right? Yeah. I'm a fan of 90s hip hop, like those are five great songs. I love Juicy, I'd probably make a number one as well, just because like that, mm -hmm. that is the most timeless hip hop song from the 90s. I think. Yeah. Um, however, number 15 is You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Like, Ooh. that's just objectively a terrible song. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. There are other things on here that I think would would warrant me calling this a dumb decade because like, <laughs> uh, hold on, I, maybe I could find some things quickly here. But uh, hypnotized, by the way, is number twenty-two. Wow, after that's after MC Hammer's <laughs> I mean, that was a monster of a song when it was out. I, you know, uh, D and I had this like conversation one time. Just talking about that movie uh, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. Yeah. And if you could use it for something ridiculous, like just erasing your memory of having ever heard like your favorite song or your favorite album for the first time, just so you could re-experience like that first time. And then D kind of challenged me and he was like, ah, I don't know. It really kind of depends on like when you're listening to that song because he was you know, he was bumping MC Hammer's Can't Touch This way back in the day, but if he, you know, used this like, you know, neuroscience technology to re-listen that song now, based on the context of everything that's happening around us, I don't think that it would have the same, it, it's very like, you know, time sensitive and like contextual, I think in that way. You yeah, know? That, that's interesting. I wonder how many, but so one, one thing is like, I wonder how many songs I love that I wouldn't love if I heard them out of context for the first time. Right. But the other question is like, how many songs do I not like that if I had experienced them right after my first date, when I was in like seventh grade or whatever right. it was, this would be my favorite song of all time. But in reality, it's just like Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. You right, know what I'm right, yeah. I mean, there's, 
you know, I, I think it really has a lot to do with like what you were going through at the time and just, you know, something, you know, songs have different meaning for, for different reasons. And I think that's why I mean, it really kind of depends on what you identified with at the time. So, um, yeah, it's, that's interesting. You but. just brought Medicine Remix into this. I yeah. love it. Like the neuroscience <laughs> and everything. All right. All right. So let's, let's wrap this up with uh, a question that you sort of touched on, which is like, there's something special about 90s hip-hop. Mm -hmm. What is different about hip-hop that came after the 90s? Like, why why is 90s hip-hop that good? Because 80s hip-hop, I, I don't know your perspective on it, yeah. but like, it wasn't quite there. Right. 90s hip-hop was amazing and all these songs are iconic and then like, we just got a lot of shit yeah. happening in the 2000s that wasn't that great. Right. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, 90s hip-hop and like uh, a lot of the, the, the songs that, that you mentioned, it really kind of captured the sound of the times just as far as a lot of the things that were having happening outside of the music world too like as far as you know just like you know uh, like the race riots in the 90s and just like a lot of like racial tension and uh, things like that and then it really was like gangster rap was like the thing it's like you couldn't be a rapper if you weren't like gangster you know I don't think Drake would necessarily make it like in the 90s, because it was just like, you know, that wasn't, you, you didn't have street cred, then you weren't gonna make it if you didn't kill people, you know, versus like now, where, you know, guys like you know, Drake and, and um, you know, uh, a lot of these guys that can, can rap and sing, and it's kind of like a little bit more like melodic, like it's not really gangster anymore. This is an interesting question, you ready for this question? Yeah. What do you think Tupac, Tupac and Biggie would have thought of Kanye West? Hmm. Interesting question. Um, I I don't know. I'm probably probably the same thing everybody thinks about Kanye West is like he should run for president. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's uh, it, it. Seems like that's that's maybe not that far fetched with the, what we got going on right now. So who knows what's gonna happen in a few years? But um, but I think um, yeah, I think they would think that he he makes dope beats. I think. He is uh, technically a, a, a good rapper, even though I know there's a lot of uh, contention with some of like the ghost writing and things that he's had like in the past, which you know nowadays I feel like is more accepted than you know back in the '90s where it was like, well, you're not writing your own rhymes, like that, this is this is blasphemy. So I think a lot of things have changed just as far as the. Um, you know, just the etiquettes and, and things like that in hip hop twos. But I, I think he's undeniably a good artist in my opinion. Awesome. Uh, last question, just because I'm curious. What do you think of Straight Outta Compton? Did you, did you see it? The movie? Yeah. I actually have not seen that it movie. It is so good. Yeah, I just finished five years of residency, so I, I still haven't seen Breaking Bad. There's like, literally, like I'm just like, uh, when it comes to anything, popular culture like over the past five years especially movies because it required you to you know go to the theater there isn't a lot to catch up on honestly yeah, it's yeah. like breaking bad straight out of content <laughs> and that's I pretty much it, it. You're... i heard it was really well done though. i wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was because uh, i feel like it wasn't marketed well at all mm -hmm. like I, I i don't know it just seemed yeah. like 
a crappy summer movie that was going to come out, and then it came out, and I was yeah, I watch it yeah. randomly, and I was like, this is amazing. You know what the other thing is? I mean, which is like relevant relevant for right now in the conversation we're having too, is the Tupac movie just came out, and it got horrible reviews. Yeah, I heard it was terrible. And it just is kind of reminiscent of the Biggie movie, which also really got terrible reviews. So it just kind of seemed like any of these uh, movies, like biopics, like about you know famous. You know, rappers or artists. Like I remember, there was one that came out about Leah that was like, you know, supposedly terrible as well. So I think it kind of really slipped under the radar. But I think uh, a lot of people did really enjoy that. Movie. Aaliyah was in that vampire movie after she died. You remember that? That was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Is it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember what it was called. I know nothing about it. I just remember she, she. Like a month after she died, that movie came out or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. No, that is not. We just got way off topic. Yeah, no, it's all good though. It's anyway, good. thanks for visiting my station. Okay. Any final words? No, man. You know, I, I, uh, I think you guys are really changing the game. You know, I, I know you've heard it probably a million times, but it can't get old. Like you guys are just really just revolutionizing audio and I'm not just saying that because I'm obviously like a huge fan but like there's nothing that exists out there that comes even close to Anchor so I'm just like super grateful and excited to be part of uh, of this journey so far. Thank you man, I appreciate it. Yeah. I love meeting you in person, this is great. Yes, yeah, awesome. We're almost out of time so I'm gonna... Right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Like the borough of Brooklyn, the residential, extra central, less specialist, like fly stone with my poems and fly stone. Ride along with Captain Live Great and die strong. Word, we gonna rock till nothing else matters. Y'all catch bodies, we catch excellent cadavers. Love cadaver references. Good old cadaver. There's a couple in there. In college, we had this one epic conversation after we saw this movie called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Have you ever seen no, that movie? Seen. The premise of the movie is he's like in love with this girl. They have this whole like amazing intimate relationship that mm -hmm. starts going downhill. And the pain of the breakup is so intense for this guy that he seeks out this like neurotechnology where mm -hmm. basically they can erase his memories, particular type mm. of memories, all the memories related to this girl. You could just mm. wipe it out through this technology. But with that, if you wipe that out, with that go the lessons that you learned from that? Yeah. Oh, that's the a whole shitty experience. deal. That's a shitty deal. I know, but but it was just so painful that that needed to happen for this guy. You're a race. They're able to infiltrate parts of mm -hmm. Jim Carrey's mind wherever this girl is. There's an emotional core to each of our memories, and when you eradicate that core, it starts its degradation process. By the time you wake up in the morning, all the memories were targeted with withered and disappeared. And they take it out. Anyway, the reason that I'm mentioning that is after we saw this movie in college, mm -hmm. we were just like, what if you use that technology for like certain things that aren't even that deep? Like, what if you were able to like delete your memory of the first time ever having heard insert right. your favorite album here? Just so you could relive. It wouldn't the, work that way. You'd be a, you'd no, be a you'd different person though. Like the yeah. shit that I liked when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I probably still like it because there's something nostalgic. But if I went back and listened to songs that I thought were, because listen, I was bumping MC Hammer Can't Touch This. I was vanilla icing it up. I certainly wouldn't think those are really cool now, but I'd be a different person. So if I erased a good memory of an album I liked, there's so many things that I think people don't realize when you hear a song. There's more than just the song. 
right? right? Whether or not the emotions, yeah, right? yeah, you, what you were feeling, at right, the time. right, right, yeah, yeah. I see what you're you saying. know, those sorts of, of memories of things that you know, songs or there's something about the song yeah. that is more than just a song, obviously. Yeah. So if you erase the memory of when I first heard the song, it would take away with it probably you know 80 yeah. percent of why I liked it. I just thought it was it was like an interesting twist to that conversation that we we're having at the yeah. time because usually you don't think of erasing good memories just so right. you could potentially re relive like do it them. over yeah, yeah, yeah because of like how good it felt yeah like when it happened but that would like force how... you to really like think of like when is some shit in my life that it felt so good yeah but we we never think about those moments do no, we no. like every once in a while we do but like the majority of the time where does our mind wander yeah. to those like Negative. you know embarrassing yeah. moments those like oh man i wish i didn't fucking say that yeah. oh, but I think that's part of the the whole, you know, we marvel at buildings being blown up, but we never marvel at them being built, you know? Mm. Like everybody wants mm. to see the implosion of a, of a, you know, skyscraper, but nobody was driving by marveling at it when they were like, building wow, it. Like, wow, yeah. like, look at this, like, feat yeah. of human existence. Yeah, so I think we don't marvel at all the, the stuff that we take for granted i mean there's no other way to say it without sounding really cheesy but uh i think you're right i think that goes for memories too i don't think we celebrate enough those memories the celebration! here's the thing that i always that struck me when i was a kid give me a movie with like a sorcerer in it like a, a sorcerer yeah like a wizard or some shit I mean, what's a you're a wizard harry didn't the hobbit or uh, the lord of the ring didn't they have like a wizard guy with the yeah, beard with the you know gray beard you know what's funny that's the movie that initially popped in my head when you asked me that yeah. question but i never saw any of the lord of the rings okay yeah no, neither. I mean, you know how I am with movies. But there was a wizard, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm pretty sure. But you know this, don't you, Gandalf? But you notice how the wizard is always, he's got gray hair, right? Gray or white hair. Yeah. It's not that something magical comes with that gray or white hair. That is supposed to signify life experience. Yeah, That's wisdom. It. Yeah, nothing else. Yeah, it's the difference between wisdom and, and, and knowledge. There's it's no special. You know, yeah. but there's nothing special about that guy. He's just supposed to be a guy who's been around for a really long time and he figured shit out. That's when people tend to get nostalgic, right? Mm -hmm. When they get older but you get nostalgic i think because you're just basically now fearing the inevitable which right. is you know your demise you know every parent thinks that their music was better you know right their generation's music was better and now you guys listen to shit and, yeah you know we're gonna be the first generation you know fucking withering away in our old folks hope saying hit him up where's my dr dre cd <laughs> Has anybody seen my Dre CD? But there is something to be said about those memories and what we consider good and, and bad memories. But I wouldn't want to erase good memories. I think that'd be too risky. But if you could erase the bad ones. Right, right. I mean, that's a pretty good deal. Hey, Medicine Remixed, it's Rama, or some, as some of you might know, my um, alter ego, Dr. Rama. I'm actually calling in um, in regards to uh, the conversations that you posted with uh, Nir about the 1990s. First of all, I think that that's a great uh, theme, so kudos to Nir for um, coming up with that. Second of all, I think that being a 90s kid myself, I'm very biased towards how great the 90s were <laughs> but I felt the need to take it upon myself to express how amazing the 1990s actually were the first thing that comes to mind is TV shows the 1990s just an epic era because of things like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Boy Meets World. It was kind of cool staring down an angry mob. I never knew I had it in me. Sometimes the reluctant warrior. 
is the bravest warrior. <laughs> You're not gonna like kiss me now, are you? <laughs> all that. Look and watch. Ready yet? Get set. It's all that. Shows like Rugrats. Doug. Are you afraid of the dark? I can literally go on forever. I mean, come on. The show Friends. Full House. Whatever happened to Step by step. The next thing that comes to mind is movies. I am probably leaving out just so many good movies that were made in the 90s and that have just impacted so many people, but I'd like to start with my number one favorite movie of all time, Forrest Gump. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. Clueless. Okay, you're probably going, is this like an Oxima commercial or what? Space Jam. What's going on here? We need your Need I say more? And let's see other things that made the 1990s an epic decade. Harry Potter books were introduced in the 1990s. You're a wizard, Harry. Goosebumps was another book that um, I think was, you know, a great thing that happened in the 90s. Um, oh, Fruit by the Foot, Gushers, just had to throw those in there. Cell phones made a huge like exploded in the 90s into the early 2000s where they became much more commercialized. The World Wide Web was introduced in the 90s, specifically 1991. And the internet itself, you know, had such a rapid growth in the 90s, mainly the mid to late 90s. AOL, AOL Instant Messenger, you know, which was a form of, a major form of communication for many young people. <laughs> Interestingly enough, Microsoft Office was born in 1990, along with Windows 3.0, which I'm sure many people don't remember, but also Windows 95 was introduced in 1995. In my opinion, Windows operating systems solidified the transition from MS-DOS to the, this now internationally used staple of an operating system that is now Windows. Saving the best for last music, you guys mentioned 90s hip-hop in itself, which is just another reason why the 90s were an amazing era. Backstreet Boys, hello. In sync. Britney Spears. Destiny's Child. Boys to fucking men. And last but not least, Spice Girls. Hope I've provided enough reasons for why the 1990s, in fact, was not the dumb decade. It was quite the opposite, and I it's a topic that I feel very strongly about and um, could talk about for just hours and hours. Anyways, thought I would just throw in that little tidbit. Peace. The 90s? A dumb decade? No. See, when you got things like Toonami, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Martin, Jurassic Park, Scream, Pulp Fiction, The Matrix and Fight Club, and 1999. Then on the music side, you got Jodeci, DJ Quick, Notorious B.I.G., 
Death Row Records versus Bad Boy, Jay-Z, Total Request Live, Celebrity Deathmatch, Beavis and Butthead, MTV had the shows. Can't forget about BET, Video Soul, Rap City. Oh, can't forget about the video game side too. Super Mario World, Street Fighter 2, Tekken, Mortal Kombat, Crash Bandicoot, GoldenEye 007. But last but not least, everyone's favorite computer application, Napster. Yo, what's really good, Anchor Hood? It's Reesh, it's Medicine Remixed, and it's getting a little tense on the station, if you ask me. But, uh, yo, big ups to the homie Narchaotics from uh, Cold Storm Radio for spitting, like, 90 reasons the 90s were the shit in, like, 60 seconds. So, if you're just joining us, uh, by the way, I visited the Anchor office yesterday in New York City, and I was interviewed on near um, Anchor's CTO's station because uh, he started a segment where he talks to different people about various aspects of the 90s. And as fate would have it, YouTube and Anchor star Sarah Dietschy was Nier's first guest just hours before my visit to Anchor headquarters. And basically, when asked to think of a title for this all things 90s segment, Dumb Decade is what Sarah Nier came up with, uh, which was uh, somewhat uh, controversial and provocative. And uh, subsequently, uh, my wife, who is also our women's health consultant here on Medicine Remix, Dr. Rama, she heard the interview and she decided to bypass the anchor call-in system altogether and then sent me a segment's worth of reasons the 90s were the opposite of dumb via uh, a voice memo on the iPhone. And uh, I um, subsequently published it, partly because hanging in the balance of that decision might have been where I was sleeping tonight. Uh, you know, happy wife, happy life. That's preventative medicine right there, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that's how we're going to link this madness back to medicine somehow. Um, actually, here's something else academic, maybe. There's a, a, a sociology term that I came across that relates to this never-ending cycle of generational clashes, and it's called juvenoia. It was coined by a sociologist at the University of New Hampshire, but it basically means an exaggerated anxiety about the influence of social change on children and the youth. And there was a, a media historian and journalism professor at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, Dr. Margaret Blanchard, and I found this super interesting quote of hers that kind of describes it pre pretty well. And she said, Parents and grandparents who lead the efforts to cleanse today's society seem to forget that they survived alleged attacks on their morals by different media when they were children. Each generation's adults either lose faith in the ability of their young people to do the same or they become convinced that the dangers facing the new generation are much more substantial than the ones they faced as children. You know, I think a lot of things are really amazing right now, and it kind of only got that way because of all the generations before it. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, but also at the same time, uh, acknowledging how amazing it is right now. And, you know, every generation should be better in every way because that's kind of what's supposed to happen. That's evolution working in real time. And there were so many medical breakthroughs in the 90s that everything making the quality and quantity of human life better for people right now 
you know, really kind of relies on everything from the invention of intravenous catheters, which are flexible tubing that's uh, inserted through veins throughout the body for various medical procedures and treatments to the discovery of the hepatitis C vaccine, among many other medical breakthroughs that happened uh, in the 90s. And so now that I've remixed the medicine back into the station, next up is uh, some audio that I promised you guys and gals from my uh, visit to Anchor Headquarters, where I asked Maya and Brendan the question we'd been wanting to ask Team Anchor forever. You're listening to Medicine Remixed only on Anchor. I thought about asking you this uh, the first time that we talked, but I was like, just in case this was some kind of a mistake and they didn't actually mean to get in touch with us. I, when I heard about Anchor, I I was at the height of my like, email spam, which I guess is like every day is the height of that. But um, I was just like, I'm just gonna use like this email that I never checked, and I wound up like loving it. Completely forgot that I ever signed up with like a you know yeah. not a phony email, but one that like we like never like really used. And then you you said you tried to email. Yeah, that, I didn't hear back. And you didn't hear back. And then you sent us a message on Facebook, which thank God was a real Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I was just like curious because I was just like, wait a minute, because I there was a period of time where I was like posting pretty consistently, like on my commutes, yeah, um, you know, to and from work, and then like I just fell off really hard at the end of last year because I, you know, was just on like, my trauma rotations. And, and did when did we? It was like January, January or something we talked. Yeah, very early January. Yeah. So yeah, after that long winded whatever I just said. Yeah. <laughs> So you want to know why we yeah. hit you up? Well, so it's funny because so we we hit you guys up in January because we were looking for people to help us beta test. The, mm-hmm. Like you saw the very early right. horrible version of yeah. stations. Like you saw a lot of the the scary early stuff. Um, but Still we, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was surprisingly good. Um, but we so we were looking for people to beta test, and we were thinking about we wanted to launch with a bunch of stations that we thought would be interesting. And I remember we you know we wanted like a range of things, and we were like one thing that we always feel like is interesting is when people are teaching stuff in their stations. And I think we were like going back because we, you know, we hadn't like, you hadn't been on in a while and it definitely wasn't top of mind for us, but we were going back through like some of the waves that had been featured. Like the editors, like the editors Mm -hmm. picked. Like the editors picked stuff. And we were going through and you had that one segment that was about the guy cutting out his own appendix or whatever. And I, and I remember, and it was weird because, so we knew nothing about you guys. There was no real name on the anchor account. (laughs) There weren't a lot of waves in there. And it was like, you had done this one incredible thing. And we had no idea who you were. We didn't know if you were reading this from a book, like what it was. Right, right, and right. so when I reached out, I was like, I have no idea who these people are. Like, I, I don't know if it's like you ripped that from a movie. Like, I didn't know what it was. Um, and so when I reached out and you were like, oh my God, yeah, we're real doctors. I was like, no, like I had no idea. And I was like, wait, you can do that story you did with the appendicitis thing all the time? And you're like, yeah, totally. We have hundreds of hours of this stuff. And I was like, that's incredible. So, I, I mean, it was, it was a big, I, I was very, I remember when we, like, got on Skype to talk about it, and I was very pleasantly surprised by, like, how excited you were about audio, and how, like, I was not expecting, because you had been kind of fickle on V1, now I know it's because you're a doctor, but I was so happy that you were, like, it happened to be at the same time that you were, like, thinking about getting more serious about audio, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it worked out really well. Yeah. 
1961, a Soviet doctor named Leonid Ragazov was on an Antarctic expedition. And if that wasn't tough enough, on one dark April morning in 1961, Ragazov started feeling like shit. He felt weak, he had fevers, and most concerning of all, he had a sharp stabbing pain in the right lower quadrant of his belly. This is an ominous pain point known to the medically schooled as McBurney's Point, which is a classic place to have severe pain during appendicitis. Rogozov tried everything he could to treat the pain with no benefits, antibiotics, painkillers, fluids, nothing helped. And the next day, the pain and fevers got even worse. He knew what was wrong, and he also knew that he needed his appendix removed really fucking quick. What's the big deal? People get their appendixes taken out all the time, you ask? Well, he was inconveniently the only doctor around. The closest place to get help was over a thousand miles away, and as luck would have it, they were in the middle of a freaking blizzard that killed any shot of an airplane from a neighboring country to come get him. So, Rogozov decided to take matters into his own hands. Literally. Yes, you guessed it, he decided to remove his own appendix for his damn self. Yep. And get this, he wasn't even a surgeon, he was just a general practitioner. And with the help of two dudes on the expedition, one who was a driver and the other who was a meteorologist, Rogozov began operating on himself in desperation at 2 a.m. on May 1st, 1961. One of the assistants handed him surgical instruments while the other held a mirror so he could see himself. He performed the surgery in a semi-reclined position, turned partly to his left side, and it took him a mere two hours to numb himself, remove the inflamed vestigial organ, repair part of the bowel he accidentally cut into, and then sewed up his damn self. I remember at my last job, I was sitting there playing around with the first one banger before I moved here, and I was trying desperately to find anyone else who was like making like a produced show on Anchor at the time, um, and that was when I think you guys posted the first thing. I just remember being like in incredibly touching. Like it was an incredibly yeah. heartfelt, emotional. Oh, was it the one about his sister's wedding? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome there, was, yes. there was like two or three that I remember yeah. you guys put. It was on. like. Crying in math or something? It was yeah, like, like evidence-based philosophy yeah, or something like so that. Yeah, so good. It blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, this is it. That, that was kind of one of the moments for me Just, that I was like, I'm going to start making an anchor show all the time now. Really? Yeah, it was because I heard that. I was like, no, well, what other people have the same like, kind of realization that this is like, a really cool thing. Yeah. I really want to be involved somehow. Yeah. We're having the sense that I work here now, but... Yeah, I just remember like getting so excited every time you guys posted something. That, that, that means the yeah. world, man. Thank you so much. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think all the time about how like it feels like unbelievable that I can just listen to you guys every day now because it's like every time you posted before it would be like once a month or something and you would just yeah. come out of nowhere with a story and it's right. like the fact that we just have this thing happening every day is so good. It's like overwhelming how cool it is. Yeah. When we were testing V2 and like trying to prove that model out and seeing if like this was gonna work as a thing. Yeah. I, I remember Mike coming in every day when you guys started making stuff on YouTube, just being like, man, this thing works. Did you listen yeah. to this? Yeah. Well, I really, I feel like you, you guys and Patrick from Great Everything yeah. were the two that we were like, holy shit. You yeah. guys were doing and still do so much stuff that it never even occurs to us is possible, let alone like 
like we would never even think about it. Yeah. Um, and I think Patrick's we, really good. Yeah. yeah. We're, like, we're, we're like boys with Patrick. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. And I, but I think both of you really do such a good job of like really pushing the boundaries of mm-hmm. audio, which is exactly what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to make that possible. Yeah. And I just think it's every time we come across someone like this who's like has this dream it, it's sort of like you're composing a symphony and you just don't have the instruments to do it you know yeah. it's like you sort of know what the vision is totally, and totally. it's so cool that we we don't have that specific vision but we are like building these tools to support that so yeah. it's like it's so great for us to see that every time yeah no totally and you know it's uh just like what you were saying with just like the passion and you know providing people with passion with with tools like this like whether we're a featured station or not like at at this point we just love it like, yeah. so much that it's just like this this is awesome we're just gonna keep doing this like no matter what and, and that's like the ultimate thing right doing the thing for the thing itself yeah. and not for any other reason so yeah. that's that's how we knew we were just like this we just got to keep doing this and see where it takes us yeah yeah so we're super excited um awesome well thank you thank, you're welcome thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. What it is, Anchor, it's Reesh. I know it's been a minute, but a lot's been going on in and out of the hospital. My little sister got married recently and then moved across the country to San Francisco, so a lot of emotions. But what it took for me to get emotional was something unexpected. I think working in a hospital emotionally detaches you on some level because of the heavy shit that you see on a frequent basis, but it's obviously different when you're dealing with your own family and weddings are technically happy occasions, but I could never relate to people crying at weddings. At least I never thought I would ever cry at one, and I stand corrected. The the weirdest thing sparked my emotions, though. It was numbers. The the medical community throws around the phrase evidence-based medicine to describe decision-making based on research. And it's more compelling to use stats to make decisions and your point. So with that context, a week before my sister's wedding, I came across a blog post called The Tail End by this dude, Tim Urban. And not a medical journal by any means, but he takes a very evidence-based approach about the time we all have left. And he says, by the time we graduate from high school, we've already spent over 90% of our in-person parent and sibling time. And if you think about it, if we go away to college, We only see our parents and siblings a few times a year in person for special occasions, and let's just say most people see their families 10 times a year, give or take, and I'm 30, my parents are roughly 60, and taking a generous assumption that they live for another 30 years, if you do the math, 10 times a year times 30 years is... 300 days, and that's less than a year. Setting aside the secret hope that science will continue to lengthen human longevity, the point is we really don't have a lot of time with the people we love. So the three takeaways here are to live near the people you love because you'll see them like 10 times more, prioritize the people you love, and spend that precious quality time with your peeps without sweating the small stuff. Oh, and don't read blogs before your sister's wedding. Hey guys, I was just listening to your segment uh, where Maya tells about how you guys got picked up for Anchor. And it's such a cool story, man. I I never heard any of your stuff on the old Anchor, you know, when it was all just waves. But I love the story. It's such a cool origin story for you guys, right? The fact that, you know, there were some people who were just putting out tons and tons of content and stuff. And you guys just had this one super, super awesome thing that Anchor just, they had their minds blown. And they said, we need to find these guys. And they emailed you and they don't find you and then they chase you and then they find out your doctors awesome stuff i'm gonna keep listening 
Medicine's an art form. Make medicine. Motherfucking remix. Medicine remix. I'm a huge fan of medicine remix. I think what you're doing over there is fantastic. I just love the whole thing between the hip hop, which you know I'm a fan of, but the fact that it's mixed with motivation, with comedy, with medicine, and the whole thing just feels like art. And there's nothing else quite like it anywhere on the internet. So uh, it's good to hear from you. Thank you for listening. You're listening to Medicine Remixed on no other place but here on Anchor. What's really good, Anchor Hood? It's Reesh, it's Medicine Remixed, and it's been a wonderful walk down Anchor Memory Lane. It's just been an unbelievable ride till now, and a little surreal to think about how all of it kind of went down. And I actually took a digital walk down Anchor Archive Lane, and it turns out that I signed up for an Anchor account in April 2016, which I think was just a few months after their initial launch. And on the original Anchor, for the listeners that weren't on at that time, the platform allowed you to record a two-minute segment called a wave that people could respond to in one-minute replies. So it was kind of like having a conversation through voicemails in a way, but it was still fucking incredible, and I learned so much from listening to Anchor OGs like James Andre Jefferson Jr., Derek, Jess Jennifer, the one and only, Tony Mosey, Art... Babuda and Colin from Tales from the Truck and there was actually one moment that kind of changed the game for me and my approach to the anchor game and that was when I posed the question people say Twitter made them better writers do you think anchor can make you a better speaker and of all the replies that I got the one from Colin from Tales from the Truck was the one that I think changed the game for me because he said I don't know about it making me a better speaker but it's made me a better writer and upon you know probing him for more information basically it was the first time i realized that i could write my stories out and narrate them and that was right around the time mike rose podcast the way i heard it came out where he basically just reads stories he, he writes about various amazing things uh, that happened throughout history in like five to ten minutes and it was the first short podcast format that i heard that was so successful and that was really engaging so between collins insights and studying Mike Rose's style of storytelling, I started adapting writing D&I had already done on a blog we started in medical school called Injury Duty. And the first story I narrated was actually one that D wrote about a Russian doctor who took out his own appendix. And, you know, actually, D and I recorded a 10 episode podcast back in 2012 that even like D actually had to set up an RSS feed, you know, in in like a, a pre-anchor era in like 2012. And the show was called Laughs by Prescription. And of all the content we were putting out at the time, it was just the most well-received by far. And after the 10th episode, though, the reality of just the grueling work hours and residency uh, hit us. And then we kind of just fell off everything to the point where we kind of just gave up on the dream altogether. And then we got a message to our Facebook page from a fan in Europe named Sasha that kind of changed everything. He told us he and his friends listened to every episode of our podcast and basically wrote us after we failed to upload any episodes after our 10th one. And reading that message was kind of like dream CPR, you know? It was 
also one of the first times we really felt the power of social media when we thought about the fact that our recorded conversations were not only reaching but bringing value to people an ocean away in another country to the point where someone actually felt compelled enough to take the time to tell us that we need to keep going but you know it really wasn't until we found anchor two years later that any audio was put out under the injury duty name but I just knew that Anchor was the perfect platform for our particular situation of not having much time to create content because it was the first platform I came across where I could consume and create content just as easily. You know, I, I just started telling stories and ranting about medically related things and pop culture on my commutes to and from work. And after a few of those stories made Anchor's editor's picks list, I finally convinced Dee that there was something there probably. and. The last wave that I recorded before I fell the fuck off of the original anchor was that one that you might have heard previously in this episode about me crying at my sister's wedding because of a blog post I read on Tim Urban's blog, Wait But Why, where he highlights the undeniable math of how little time we have with the people that we love. And that was just about a year ago when I started my last year of uh, my orthopedic surgery residency during actually the busiest time of year for orthopedics, the summertime. So it was the last thing that I personally recorded on the original Anchor, but as we resurrected that wave today, that both Brendan and Maya cited as one of the reasons Anchor wanted to reach out to us in the first place to be a potential featured station for the second version of Anchor, I realized not only the importance of that piece, but it also reminded me just how powerful audio can be after I heard this call in from Pedro from the Health Rundown. Take a listen. Yo, Rish, how's it going? It's Pedro. It's been a while since I've been on Anchor and I missed you guys like crazy. Um, and naturally, I come back to hear two amazing throwback stories, um, the second of which was just so compelling and endearing to me. Um, I can relate to what you're saying because I have a 14-year-old and 16-year-old boy and a girl, and I love raising them as teenagers. It's like I feel like I'm coming into my own as a parent, and it puts it into context, you know, how little time I have left with them to make an impact on their world. And so I just, um, I want them to hear the story, and I hope that they get the message. I know I did. Hey, what's going on, guys? I just want to say, man, that story you told about you at your sister's wedding really hit home with me. And that blog post, whew. Because, I mean, I left for the Army when I was 19. My sister left a little after that to go down to Florida to live with her fiancé. And, uh, yeah, our family has been pretty much split up since then. And we see each other, like, once or twice a year. It's been kind of crazy, man, when you really think about it, like, yeah, 90% of your time is spent, you know, before you move out. It's, it's unreal. So we're looking at trying to change that. Hopefully my uh, mom and her uh, new fiance are going to move out to Oregon and uh, stay near us. And then eventually if New Jersey legalizes uh, recreational, we can go ahead and move back over there and start a business. But yeah, man, very good point. Very emotional point. Love the segment. Keep it up.
Hey, Medicine Remix. What's going on, Medicine Remix? Hey, Medicine Remix. Hey there, Medicine Remix. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what your genre of radio station is, but whatever it is, I love it. I'm brand new to Anchor, and I just wanted to say that after I downloaded the app, the very first station I listened to was Medicine Remix. I just love that segment and I just had to tell you guys. So thank you for putting that out there. If you are creating your own new genre of radio, by all means do it. It's heavily hip hop influenced. Keep doing what you're doing. Loving the music, keep it going. Medicine Remix, you guys are off the chain, my goodness. That last uh, set of segments was amazing. Absolutely blown away and completely engaged. I have to say, I love the way you compose your program and the music it's just incredible so thank you for making my introduction into anchor so awesome I'm completely hooked and I'm looking forward to listening to more of your segments thank you for listening you're listening to medicine remixed only on anchor